0: Hello and welcome to episode 23 of the Classic Lenses podcast. My name is Simon Forster and I'm hosting this podcast from Stoke-on-Trent in the UK. Joining me today is Carl Havens in Gainesville, Florida. Hello, Carl. Good morning, Simon. And we have Johnny Sisson in Chicago. Hello, Johnny. Hello. This week, there have been a number of interesting questions and polls in the Photography with Classic Lenses Facebook group, and Carl, Johnny and I think it's worth talking about the topics and comments raised. Later on in the show, we're also going to be talking to Carl and Johnny about their new acquisitions. But before we go any further, here's Johnny with some feedback from last week's show with Eric Sluice.
1: Yeah. Uh, So we talked last week with Eric about uh, a number of things, but talked a lot about his uh, rangefinder lenses that he uses for street photography, both film and digital. He's got an amazing, uh, amazing collection of lenses um, that I I think many of us are very jealous of. I know I am. So that was that was a lot of fun. We had a a few points of feedback there. Uh, Jason Elias said, how was weird Russian voodoo? Not the title of this episode, which I think Eric said that at one point. That was a good point. Um, and then Nigel Cliff, who we'll will hear more from Nigel here. Nigel here in a moment. Um, he he had a bit of a discussion that he started about um, Agfa Pan APX films, which um, we we chatted about a bit in the in the comments there. So thank you very much for feedback on the episode with Eric. We really enjoyed talking with him. So we hope you enjoyed it as well. Um, okay. Okay, that's about all I've got. I thought we were just going to jump right in since a lot of the questions, sort of, um, I guess they weren't feedback on last week's episode, but I feel like some of the questions did kind of come from that, especially the one you posted, Simon.
0: Well, there was uh, there was one bit of feedback which you've, you've somehow skipped over there, and that mm. was uh, that was Phil's comments about uh, <laughs> about well, one saying he felt it was the best episode ever. Um, right, so, uh, right. Th- thanks for that, Phil. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and secondly, he just he just loved um, the way that Carl sounded.
2: Yeah, and I don't know whether that was a, a, a positive comment or a negative one about being in a bathtub, but um, I've climbed out. I'm not there anymore. I'm wearing a proper microphone today, and hopefully that'll never happen again. I
1: cringe when I listen to that episode because Carl you, you need to have um, a microphone that you like leave at work where you usually do your podcast and then another one you have at home and then put another one in the bag that you have in case you're on the road and that way you'll always have it with you <laughs> no, so you need three I, microphones i think you know
2: you know what happened i, I went to dc <laughs> and i needed to fit all my camera gear and um the top compartment where i usually keep the microphone got sacrificed for the um the little leica camera so uh-huh. and then i didn't
1: put it, then and then didn't you, didn't, put it and you didn't did you use the leica camera or no Oh, yeah, sure. I've got a, oh, a, a roll, and, and they should be ready today uh, to download. I thought you were talking about your your digital. You've got that point and shoot. No, I don't have a digital Leica. Like- oh, no, I sold that a long time ago. Oh, okay, okay.
2: All right. Yeah. Okay. yeah. The real one, the 80-year-old one.
1: Okay. So so we're going to blame your bathtub microphone on the Leica. Yeah. Okay, yep. great. Okay, good, good. Just want to make sure we have that cleared
0: up. Well, leading lead, lead on from that, then um, you've, you've already mentioned Nigel, and uh, yes, and I think that oh, I just realised we've actually that's it wasn't Nigel's question, was it that we were going to lead off with? Uh um, oh, we can do it on a different one. Yeah, let's 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 do that. So we're going to change the running order straight straight off there. So yeah, why not? Um, so Nigel uh, made a question on the fourteenth of June and um and it says and he raised the question anybody else in the group shoot classic lenses not for bokeh or 3d pop etc but purely because they're great from fun to use and that led to a, a really good discussion which uh johnny do you want to tell us more about that yeah sure i mean i read off some some of the top comments here
1: i thought there were there were some great comments in here uh not lee said how about all three handling is a big part of it for me but i wouldn't rank it above the other two. Um, and let's see. Uh, Hanu Hanu said, "I use classic lenses because of their optical classic optics, not computer formulations, plus the fact that they are made of brass and glass, no second grade materials like rubber, plastics, et cetera. They can withstand this test of time. Well, yes, although a lot of our lenses that we use have loads of plastic and rubber. But yeah, some of the 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 really old ones are just metal and glass, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's uh, when when I started reading through these these comments, it reminded me of our our very first episode. Our um, yeah, <laughs> um, with the with the car crash of uh, my my microphone and bad editing, um, and we we all individually talked about it. Why why do we use these lenses? Which is actually one of the, I, I, I'm, I'm quite. I like the fact that uh, Nigel's raised that question the way that he did because I don't think we quite touched upon that. So we might have talked about how they render and things like that, but it's it's interesting how Nigel's making the point there that he likes to use these lenses simply because he likes to use these old lenses. Yeah. That's uh-huh. a, you know a, a reason in itself, which sure. Which, which I think is absolutely great, and I think it's 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 totally true. I, I think yeah. I, I certainly go along with that, and I think Hanu's uh, points there about. like the the glass for the optics formulations in there being being done by a person uh, probably with a slide rule and some log tables and not not done by a computer Um, hence you get um, variations you get aberrations all over the place or perhaps not all over the place but you certainly get more aberrations than you than you will do with a, a modern design lens which of course all lenses today, whether it be from Nikon, Pentax or Olympus or, or wherever they they're all heading towards a single point. It seems, which is as close as you can get to perfection, which means that they all look the yeah. same in my view.
2: Yep. Absolutely. Well, well, Steve Locke is another person who had an interesting comment because he said that he likes them because they slow him down and make him think about what he's shooting and it gets better results than he ever has. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Go on, Johnny. No, I was gonna say, I, I, Jose Lopez said I think something kind of similar. He said I prefer classic lenses because I feel connected and invested with a shot. And he says I'm shooting film these days, so I'm very methodical in what I shoot. And, and I think you're right about the slowing down bit. You know, at least I, I think slowing down leads to better images. I can't say that mine are any better, but I, in general, I feel if people seem to say that quite a bit, that when they slow down, they shoot better stuff. So.
0: I, th- I think that's it, again it's it all goes down to enjoying what you're doing and if you if you're using a, a beautifully constructed well- damped lens um, in, in some respects it's a bit like driving a car. Um, what is it about if those of us that enjoy driving a car what is it that we enjoy most and I would say the, the the most enjoyable part of driving a car is is, is the steering um, that's that's my personal view because that's that's the bit where you have the most control over what you're doing and and some cars uh, you'll turn a steering wheel and you you the car just goes in the direction it turns and there's there's very little input between what you're doing and the, and the way that you feel whereas you you'll drive something which is more connected like a sports car or something like that and every little tiny input there's a it, it 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 does something you can you can feel exactly what you're doing and i feel that's almost like the difference between a manual focus lens that's been well constructed and an an autofocus lens yeah, yeah yeah
1: yeah yeah i mean I, that's i i that's a huge bit of it for me um, you know e- even the even the later uh, I, I don't know i there are a lot of, a lot of people like the, the that what what's the version of uh the Nikon glass is that where they have the sort of auto the first generation autofocus lenses where they still have fairly decent you know manual focus rings on them but i think they just feel like crap for manual focus right yeah. i mean it's like anything that was built sort of after that era it just puts more emphasis on the on the autofocus functionality and the manual kind of goes by the wayside but yeah i mean to me the feel of of the lens itself is a huge part of why I, I like
0: the lens <laughs> well I have I've been yep. using uh, a couple of weeks ago I, I used a Minolta um, Dynax 800 SI uh, which is uh, one of the later cameras that they made and it was it's an autofocus camera and I used it with a 55 sorry 50mm macro and uh, a 500f8 mirror lens and mm-hmm. it was it was great fun to use I, en- I enjoyed shooting shooting film with them and I think the results came out far better than I was expecting them to um but when I put the both of those lenses onto my Sony onto my A7 um, with a, a dumb adapter um immediately the experience was was just nowhere near as good uh because yeah. and it's i think it's probably similar with the with the with the nikon lenses because they use a screwdriver right they, they, they're not exactly. done in any way and you just nope. in the case of the Minolta <laughs> lenses you just got this tiny little thin plastic, or maybe not plastic, in some cases, it is actually metal, but either way, it's just this thin ring at the front, which is almost like an afterthought, a sop to people that, that really want to do it themselves. Yeah. And, and I just got no joy out of exactly the same lenses, which I actually enjoyed using on the Minolta. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes
1: sense to me. Yeah. That and the fact that none of these lenses have hard infinity stops anymore, and I, I... <laughs> it's just not the same thing so i you know i i love the look and feel of the of really old lenses like the rangefinder stuff or you know so much of the lens design is about the usability in the hand i mean even the way that the focus tabs are positioned i mean they they really think about how you're going to turn that focus ring um And that that's yeah, that's gone. That's just that's just not part of it anymore. It's not really part of the design because they just assume you're going to be auto focusing.
0: Yeah. Um, Another another point. Uh, Mitch Featherby uh, says, I shoot with old lenses because they are cheap and I can't afford new glass. I'm normally pleasantly surprised by the quality, both good and bad. And mm-hmm. and that's that's a that's a big part because I mean a lot of us will spend a lot of money on a on a digital camera, and then have very little money left over. I mean, you certainly those of us that shoot Sony um, on well on on E-mount, uh, the price of Sony lenses are, are shocking in my view, in my ridiculous, opinion. yeah, and. Uh, so yep. for, for me, it's a bit of a no, it's almost a no brainer. I mean, I've got no great interest in, in shooting autofocus, but yeah, there are some of the, some lenses in the range that I'm thinking, yeah, I, w- I wouldn't mind that. But then you look at the price and, and it's just completely out, out of out of range. Even when you compare it to some of the almost exotica uh, within the manual focus world, you know, something like a, a Ice 85mm 1.4, um, the it's it's like a third of the price of the g master lens okay it's it, it you're not comparing apples with apples there but it's going right. to it's going to deliver stunning results and although it's not going to give you uh autofocus like the gm like the g master lens is going to do it's it's yeah with with a bit of practice and a bit of skill should i, should I say you know you can you can achieve results that are going to be as good um, as mm-hmm. you, as you would do with that that, that sony lens for what to me seems like an expensive lens, but it's a fraction of the price of, of the Sony native lens. Yeah. It, well, you know, it, yeah. Yeah. You no,
2: know, you know, when I, um, I was thinking well, when I had the uh, an Olympus EM1, um, I had a kit lens when I first bought it. And then I had quite a few classic lenses. And then, um, during that time I, I, I had five different, um, M-Zucco lenses. And, um, I sold them all after a relatively short periods of time because I just wasn't impressed by them. Now, I mean, I've seen people post just fantastic photos using those same lenses. So maybe it was just me. But they didn't seem to have the character that I had come to like with classic lenses, and they went away.
0: Another comment was Sean Harkin uh, he made, uh, and he says he started out – he wanted a fast wide angle uh, lens for astrophotography and again that's the, the the cost side of things is helping but the fact is like old prime lenses again the the, the cost is so much so much less than, uh, than the modern lenses especially when you when you go towards the you know, the, the really fast end you know, because you know 1.4s <laughs> and 1.2s when you're going into autofocus you know, you know, again that that cost goes up and and just the sheer fact therefore you've got so many out there to choose from that all sit well a a lot of them will actually render those pictures differently um and i think that's just a you know it's a it's a a big point about about old lenses yeah the the sheer variety of of the look that you can gain from them
2: i think the low cost um, point is really interesting and in fact one of the cheapest lenses that i've ever purchased as one of the best lenses that I have. And that's that little Indostar 50-2 lens. And it's an F3.5 lens, not an F2. But um, if you put that on a helicoid, um, I've only used that lens on my Olympus. I've not tried it on the Sony, but I presume it'll be good there too. Uh, On a helicoid, at at F3.5, it's extremely sharp. And the bokeh is beautiful. Um, It's a really nice little lens. In fact, last night, I did a real blasphemous thing. So, Johnny will hate this. I want, I want, <laughs> I want a collapsible lens on my um, on my old Leica camera, so that I can just stick it in a jacket pocket and carry it around. And I bought um, a, a Russian knockoff of a of a Leica Elmar lens for forty nine dollars, and it's I think it's an Industar 50 dash two. We'll Hi. see how. We'll there's there's we'll nothing wrong with that. We'll see, how, we'll, see, I, we'll see how it does. Yeah. I can't afford a like No, that's, yeah. good. that's
1: that's that's. I mean, as long as it actually functions, which we'll it might see. not. I mean, it might not. To try uh, it out. But then I'll know. save up my money and I'll buy I'll, I'll buy a real I'll buy a Sumitar. <laughs> I mean, that's how that that camera is supposed to have that lens on it. It's supposed to be able to fit in a. I don't think it. I think that fit in pockets when men and you know people had big pockets on. You know, double-breasted suits that fit in a pocket, but I. <laughs> I, don't I, they, with it. I don't think <laughs> they ever fit in a pocket. But anyway, um, <laughs> but that's the idea. I mean, it was meant to have that type of lens on it, and it, and if you get a good copy of the, that you know that
0: collapsible instar, hey, more power to you. Yeah. So, Cole, you created an admin on the fourteenth of June. Oh, not, you, know, you didn't create an admin. You created a poll. You can tell I'm just looking straight at the screen at the moment. You created a yeah, poll okay. on the fourteenth of June, um, and you just you asked a question about uh, sensor sizes um, and what what do the users of the group use? Do you want to take us through that one?
2: Yeah. So I was interested in this because we routinely have been talking about lenses that we like on the podcast. And I know on the page that we require people to th- say what camera they use. and the reason is that lenses render differently depending on the sensor size of the camera. But we, we often talk about new acquisitions and lenses that we think are wonderful. And I don't know that we always say on a full frame and, um, and really get into we don't know whether it would be as good a lens on a different sensor size. So I was, I was actually wondering, like what, who are we talking to in the audience in regard to the kind of cameras they have? And so I just asked, if you use a digital camera, what sensor size is, the, is on your most used camera. Um, there's no good or bad. We're just curious to know what people are experiencing with their classic lenses on digital. And it's, it isn't a tie, um, but um, right now there's 151 people that are using cameras with APS-C sensors. There's 143 that are using full frame. And then it drops down to just 52 with micro four-thirds. And we've got eight people with medium formats. And I don't think that there was anything added. And then there were t- tons of comments where people um, were kind of getting into um, the different reasons why they had, had used um, various lenses. I, I, I asked the question because I've gone through all three of them. I, and uh, and I was quite surprised. I, I had an Olympus EM-1. And and I I believed that I believed two things. One, I was just seeing a little cropped out piece from the middle of the image, and that I was on many lenses getting the best part. And that as I got larger, that really nothing was going to change except that I was going to see more of the image, and maybe the edges wouldn't be as good. And then um, when I went to the Sony, um, I, I noticed that certain lenses rendered more nicely. Um, Nikon's seem to be made for Sony APS-C cameras. I don't know why, but they they were really good. And then when I first stuck a couple of um, lenses on my Sony, I was blown away. <laughs> so I've had this. I had this old Canon FL fifty one point four, and I've always been telling people buy the buy this lens if you want a l- relatively low price, fantastic lens, a really good lens. But I never I never imagined that. Uh, that lens could have 3D pop from wide open all the way up to 2.8, without even trying to do it hardly. Um, and and the first time I put it on there, I took it out to this art show, and it was wow! I was like, oh my god, my I'm seeing everything in 3D. And then there's all this beautiful, interesting bokeh around the edges that I never imagined might have been there before. And so there was a case of a lens where. You know, I had been telling people it was good, but I had not been saying that it was, like, the, one of the best lenses that I've ever had, which which I think is the case now. And then I find that there's lenses that I don't like on the Sony as well as on the Fuji. And and those are mostly – um I don't use rangefinder lenses hardly at all on the Sony, although some of them, like the Jupiter 8, uh, is nice on there. But um, my, my Canon LTM rangefinder lenses, I, I don't use them at all on the Sony. I don't think they look – that they, that they render as nicely. Uh, my Voigtlander 15 millimeter is just crap on the Sony because it, it doesn't work properly the way the light comes into the sensor. And so um, I, I think it's interesting. I, I don't know about going through the responses because the responses are sort of you know talking about the kind of cameras people have used and moved through. And I'm trying to think, is there anything here? That, um,
0: well, Isaiah then, Newman, he um, he was the first person to make a comment on there, and uh, he was saying, "Wow, I'm surprised that full frame isn't running away with this." And, well, uh, right, right, that was a surprise, right? Uh huh. I wasn't surprised by that. I
2: thought APSC would be the the winner. I thought it would be way more APSC users than um, than full frame, but it didn't turn out that way. And uh, Johnny wasn't surprised that APS-C was winning either, considering the cost of most well, full-frame
1: yeah, right? Yeah, right. no, I mean, I, that, that, I, I wasn't surprised only because if you think about it, full-frame, you know, full-frame digital hasn't really been within reach for most people until more recently when the Sony stuff really started, you know, rocking, you know, full-frame. Yeah. Um, and got more price competitive. I know there's that new one that is a, r- what, around $1,000 now, right? So if you're looking to buy a new, right now, a new digital, a new mirrorless camera, I mean, I, I'm not sure why you would go with much else than that. Well, I no, I am. I If you're buying it to use classic lenses, I think it makes a lot of sense. If you're buying a system camera to use with autofocus lens, I don't know why anyone would buy a f- Sony because the the lenses are so much more expensive they're so much bigger i mean it i i i guess i do understand it because everybody thinks they need full frame on digital i don't see that personally if you're shooting digital cameras with digital lenses i don't think most people need full frame because they're just going to throw it up on a you know social media or whatever they're not going to make 30 by 40 prints which is the only time you're really going to see the difference so i think it's stupid frankly but whatever makes you happy but i i in our setting which is you know the in in the group where the whole idea is you're shooting these classic lenses on a mirrorless camera i i mean i don't know at this point why you would if you were buying a new camera not buy a full frame sony
2: yeah i'm I'm not sure it depends on what you want to do because uh, right now Right now, I, I w- it would be hard for me to only have the Sony because I, I really like the Fuji for street photography. And um, I don't if I'm going to go somewhere in a city and I'm going to do street photography, I don't take the Sony camera. I just take the, I, take that oh, sure. XE, I take the XE2 and maybe one or two small lenses. And and it works perfectly.
1: Yeah, you know, and, I, very, 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 and yeah. I agree from a user experience standpoint. I would much rather use a you know one of the Fujis than the Sony. But if your if your goal is to mount you know to mount those mainly manual focus lenses versus the system lenses, the full yeah. frame is awfully awfully nice. You know, I mean it. It's great if you can afford to have multiple options. I'm just I guess I'm thinking of someone who's gonna like go out and buy a you know a new or even recently used. Mirrorless camera specifically to mount classic lenses, I would think. Right. Sony is the. And if we guy. um, but, but it hasn't we, been until more recently, which is the only reason I figured. All right, most people are coming from an era where they either had a an Olympus or they had an A six thousand or something, you know. And there's just a yeah, lot more yeah. of that out there, so. Yeah,
2: and if we win the lottery, we agreed we would buy an M ten.
1: <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. And, and, and we'd still have to and, share
2: and, 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 one. <laughs> And if I win a really big lottery, I'll buy both of you guys an M10, <laughs> and, 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 and I'll let you pick, and I'll let you pick the Leica lens, and I'll buy you that too. If that's to substantial lottery.
1: Hey, Carl, do you follow? Um, <laughs> I, I, I think I'm going to set up a <laughs> uh, a Google alert that uh, for Florida Man because Florida Man is almost like you know, like Neanderthal Man or whatever. Like Florida uh-huh. Man is like a thing, right? You could. I would set up a search for Florida man and it's okay. Florida man lottery. So if I, so the, so if you win the lottery, you'll be all of a Florida man wins lottery. <laughs> we don't buy lottery tickets. So first I have to, first I have to buy lottery tickets. <laughs> yeah. I got to remember to do that too. Yeah. <laughs> this week, let's just digress on lottery tickets this week. In, <laughs> this week in Illinois, they would the quick pick number, like, you know, the four, you'd pick four numbers, right? was zero 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 so that all the all the people who play like just zeros like hundreds of people won the lottery so they're like lined up waiting to get their their payout which was a few hundred dollars i guess Uh but every once in a while it comes up like all the same string of numbers and that's what like huge numbers of people play so carl maybe you want to play all zeros or I don't uh, know something like that. I don't. You know? I don't play. A, I don't play
2: lottery, and I, and and I hate. <laughs> I hate when I go into a, a gas station to get a bottle of water, and some oh. fucking person is in front of me, and they've got a whole bunch of these damn tear-off yeah. tickets.
1: Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And
2: they're doing yeah, yeah. one at a time, and then they win, and then they have to buy oh. another ticket
1: because the next uh, one's going to be another two-dollar winner. Bottle of water. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That that and I I love when I go in, and it's like the guy comes in, and he's playing you know, the lotto and he's got to play everybody's birthday in his entire extended family. He's got to get the <laughs> ticket with that birthday for every relative he's ever had. It's like your entire gene pool needs its own ticket, you know, and you're waiting for like 20 minutes and you just want to buy a bottle of water or something. But Hey, if that guy's going to win the lottery and buy me a camera, I mean, I'm all for that. Maybe I'll say that next time I'm in line. Hey, if you win, can I give you my name? Will you buy me a camera? Well, well, so
2: there's surprisingly fewer people on here with Micro Four Thirds than I thought. I thought that we had a lot of Olympus users. Simon, did, did, well, yeah, do you have well, any thought about that?
0: Yeah, well, actually, on the just taking it back to full frame, um, let's, let's not forget it's, it's not just Sony um, in the full frame market with our users with classic lenses. Um, so you've got those users uh, that use uh, Canon 5Ds and 6Ds, um, yeah, and, and also get a bit, oh yeah. DSLRs, yeah, but, yeah, yeah, and you also got the one Ds as well, and there, there are a surprising number of uh, Nikon users that um, struggle struggle through, um, <laughs> and uh, you know do 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 their best to use the limited range, or they use uh, um, cheap adapters with uh, optics to correct them to infinity. So it's uh, yeah, so it, it's not an exclusive Sony Sony party there. Um, micro four thirds i was i must admit, i was i was quite surprised that it was as far back uh, as as it as it was um although i mean i've had a, a similar kind of journey with as, as called did although i skipped aps c and actually went back to apsc after um with uh with an x pro one but i started with a an olympus e m one and i just loved using classic lenses on it um, especially 50mm lenses um, I, I thought they were just absolutely wonderful um, and i just couldn't get enough 50mm lenses on on the M1 and, and and longer lenses and we've talked about this before you know i'd, I'd use a, a Jupiter 11 which is a, effectively a 270 70mm lens as a war crown lens on a on an M1 <laughs> Yet i wouldn't use such a lens on on full frame it just doesn't just doesn't make any kind of sense but it just for me it worked brilliantly on the on on the olympus and and so many lenses do work very well yeah you know, with they taking that center area of the of the frame so you get great sharpness and and that's that's something you you can criticize micro four thirds for in some areas but in for sharpness i i'm i'm not convinced there's a sharper system actually out there Um, uh the sharpness is absolutely brilliant on micro four thirds where micro four thirds falls down is in the outer focus areas uh, because you, you can you can be shooting at the lowest iso and you still get grain in in the in the bokeh in the outer focus areas and that used to irritate the hell out of me in fact that was actually the main reason that I I went to Sony uh, because it got to the point where you know I was pu- I was putting some shots up there. and Then some for instance, like I think Stephen Toe uh, was one of the first users in our group that started to use an A Seven Mark Two, and it, you could just tell. Um, apart from the fact you could, <laughs> Stephen Toad's shots have a certain look about them, but also it's also the actual, the images themselves had a certain look about them. And then it got to the point where I could just tell which shots were taken on Sony. And I just liked that look. I liked the, the, the smooth, uh, bokeh, the smooth out of focus areas. And then when I, when I actually bought it, I realized I, I stopped sharpening shots. I also felt, found. found that I wasn't cropping shots as much as I was doing on the uh, on the Olympus, which doesn't really make a huge amount of sense really seeing that you know, using a, a two times crop camera yet I would crop my photos yet I'd go to full frame and not crop my photos I, I've still't quite got my head around that and I'm not the only person to experience that um, but as far as you know the, the group the, I mean the group started off largely as a micro four thirds group for classic lenses that's 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 the history of the group, really. It came out of the Olympus Worldwide Shooters Group, um, but most of the people that came from that group have moved on to other systems. Some people have got uh, still got Micro Four Thirds and they still use it, and they use other systems as well, but I'd say the majority of users seem to have gone to larger sensors, and Fuji's been very, very popular, but you know we've, we've not mentioned, though, um, the cameras like the A6000, uh, from Sony, yeah. um, they they they're going to be included in those APS-C figures, and I'm not sure what the split uh, would be between Fuji and Sony within the APS-C. And of course, again with the APS-C, you've still got uh, you've still got the DSLRs in there as well. So uh, right. so I'm not too sure what those 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 splits are going to be. Um, but Micro Four Thirds, um, I think. Yeah, I, I think just a lot of people have moved moved on from those for using classic lenses because they are relatively limiting, especially at the wide end. Um, and this is, you know, I don't want to knock Micro full Thirds, but well, so I really like it. I really like the cameras, especially the Olympus cameras. Uh, if if Olympus would were to make a, a full frame camera, um, a large version of the EM1, oh, I would, I would jump at it because they're just great great cameras Uh, but this for me they just make more sense if you're using native olympus lenses on them yeah yeah yeah
2: yep. there's a lot of questions about price you know um that um back and forth about is there a reasonably priced way to get a full frame and and um can you know it's interesting so I, i bought the a7 too for $1,069, how long have I had it? Six months, maybe? Seven months, eight? And um, now it's more expensive again. I don't know why. I looked at it yesterday and it was $1,369. After I would told someone it was
1: $1,000. When was that price? Back the start of the year? Around the holidays? Yep. Yeah, that's why. <laughs> they, 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 This time of year, they um, try to uh, boost prices on stuff the rebates aren't quite as good Ah. because they know most people are going to buy around the holidays so if you are not one of those people and you buy middle of the year you're going to probably pay a little bit more that's kind of across the board they nickel they nickel and dime on the rebates which are you know everything is just permanently on sale now new cameras so but they the rebates aren't quite as good this time of year as they are during the holidays because it's just such a competitive time
0: just looking through the comments, I've I've just spotted one uh, by Eric Valedo, who um, no, went back from the uh, Olympus days, and he's um, you know he he shoots classic lenses, but he also I think he shoots professionally. He does He does wedding photography with with Olympus um and uh, interesting enough he's saying i'm planning to buy full frame again uh, and as soon as i read that i just thought oh yeah he's going to look at sony and then he says uh, to take advantage of those classic lenses perhaps a canon 5d or a 60 so it's 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 interesting Ugh. that you know he's a, an experienced user of classic lenses yet he's he's clearly not sold on on Sony and I don't know if that's because he doesn't like Sony or whether or not um, well he's used to an EVF so that, that's that's not going to be the issue but uh, right. yeah so it's, it's interesting how he's looking, he's looking at 5D rather than 6D sorry 5 or 6D rather than going Sony for using classic lenses so it's not an automatic choice for everybody just to, if they're going to go full frame to go with Sony right um, then you've got Thang Lewin I'm sorry if I've destroyed your name there. Um, he's uh, he, he had a or has an A6000, uh, um, but he's bought a, an A7 II. But he's found himself he just doesn't use the A6000 anymore. Which is, I think you made a comment there, Carl. That's pretty much what happened to you. You 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 pretty much stopped using your Olympus, um, much in the same way as I did. I, I've I think for two weeks i tried to use both cameras um, but then i just just completely stopped using the olympus because i just felt that the lenses were doing the thing that i wanted them to do um in the in the right way on the on the full frame camera
2: i wonder how many people who have a7.2s have gone ahead and bought an a7.3 and why they did it um and, and whether it's that much better. I have a friend who did, who who has one because he buys every new version of Sony camera that comes out including he has an a 9 in addition to the 3. But um I've used it and I can't really tell any difference between the 3 and the in my camera.
0: No, I, I, well, I I think for from my perspective uh, from a, as a pure classic lens user, uh, I like the look of the A7 uh, Mark 3, you know, it just seems like yeah it, it does a few things better and it's nicer and it's got uh i think the the button arrangement has improved again um i don't think it's as big a jump as the a7 2 was over the original a7 uh, but it's still a, a you know a good incremental step yeah but, but i think the, the 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 big advantages in there it seems to be more if you're an autofocus user uh, because the autofocus is is you know, significantly improved over over the a7 II so yeah if you're if you're that kind of user then that would that would make sense and if I had a if I I was using an AF as as much as I was using classic lenses then perhaps it'd be a bit more appealing to me but for for me I think other than so I, I think it's got silent shooting on it in the way that the a7 mark ii has got I think it's got silent shooting on it that's something I'd like um but image quality um there's there's very little in it in fact the only from my my understanding is the only difference in image quality between the two cameras is going to be seen at high iso and i'm pretty happy with uh, my a7 II for high iso anyway um and i don't actually shoot that much at high iso so it's just not not much of a deal for me really
2: right so that's an interesting thing about those larger sensors that um I've finally come to experience, after Johnny's chastised me a few times about, what are you talking about worrying about ISO? And actually, I was going to respond to a James post about complaining that he had to shoot a picture at ISO 800 with the Sony camera um, yesterday. (laughs) And um, I was thinking, wow, I was shooting at ISO 3000 on Friday night at a concert, and I can't see any grain or anything in my photos. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, I've I've seen 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 that shot from Jimmy, and I'm, I'm looking at it I'm thinking, why why is he complaining? <laughs> it's, it's absolutely fine. I, you know, nice, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, the one thing you you lose with uh, with going up the ISO is uh, is dynamic range. Uh, that's that's the other side of it. Yes, you might uh-huh. you you may uh, the grain might not be too intrusive, uh, but you are losing some dynamic range, and you can't get away from that. So, but uh, well, that's a good thing. <laughs> it is, eh? It's a good. Yeah, thing.
1: well, that's what I don't like about digital cameras. Is there's, there's, it's they're all too sharp, and there's too much dynamic range, and it all looks plastic. I mean, even the classic lenses start to look that way. So, that maybe that's why I've always been like, yeah, put that sucker up to 1600 because it's going to look better. It's going to look, it's going to look <laughs> a little noisier. It's going to look a little flatter, and it's not going to look as sharp. And it's going to, I mean, to me, that's
0: all good. It actually looks like a photo. I, I I don't go with that, because I, I don't particularly like digital noise, where film noise is just so much better. Well, that's because well, you, you don't like Fujis.
1: <laughs> Fuji film noise looks better. <laughs> or Fuji, Fuji did, digital noise looks better because of the X-trans. Mm.
0: <laughs> i know i'm not going to sell simon on this one no no, you're not, no I, I, actually i'm going to i'm going to move swiftly on from that one because there's 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 something else um which we've we've not touched upon there and uh, about talking about center sizes and using classic lenses on different cams and things and and that's the Something I'm I loaded a roll of uh, 400 Fuji uh, color negative film into my Canon 1N two days ago, and I have no intention. Well, I don't actually own any Canon autofocus lenses. Um, I do have two native. Canon uh, EF lenses. I've got a, the, my Samyang 135 f2 uh, is on Canon mount, as is my 14 2.8. But I was I, I saw a, an article on 35mmc um, uh, of a guy who put a Zeiss Otis 55 1.4 on his Canon one. Uh, one V and I Mm -hmm. looked at that and I thought, my word, I can do that. Uh, I haven't got the V, I've got the N, but I've got, I I regularly take um, camera porn photos with my 5D classic. And I, my favorite lens with that is my Zeiss planer. And of course I can put that on, on the, on the film camera, on the on a Canon One yep. N, it's just going to go yeah. straight onto my onto the Canon, and I thought yep. myself, why haven't I just tried this before? Okay, there's, <laughs> there there are things about that camera. You know, it's just it's almost no different to the to my five D. Um, it, it feels the same. It's about as heavy and and so on and so on. But it's still it's a it's a film camera that works just like a a what well, is a mod? It's a modern camera. And it's got modern metering. It's got. Uh, uh, motor wind on it all 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 of those things yeah. it's as it's as uh, easier process to shoot as just about anything really it's very, very close to shooting shooting digital except you just can't see the picture you can't chimp and uh i'm just i'm actually quite excited about using some old lenses on film yeah it you know it's funny i uh at the at the at the camera
1: shop, people come in and they want to buy a thirty-five millimeter camera, like a film camera. And I'm like, "Well, what are you shooting now?" And if they say, "Well, I'm shooting, you know, Canon now," I'm like, "Well, do you have any, you know, do you have all APS-C lenses, or or do you have, um, you know, the the crop sensor dedicated lenses, or do you have, you know, the older ones? Because if they have them, they're going to work perfectly on the old EF mount film cameras. I mean, all, I mean." It, the controls are all the same, i mean it will be almost a seamless transition between the two you know so i I always ask people that because then they don't even need to buy new lenses they could just put if they have any full frame e f mount lenses they put them straight on the film film canon and they're all set yeah so it's brilliant mm-hmm. yeah
0: all right well let's let's move things on to the to the final. Uh, discussion that we had on uh, photography with classic lenses and that was a uh, a poll uh, it was a lot of polls this week <laughs> um, that was a, a poll that I put um, regarding the podcast and I've, I've noticed that we've been increasingly talking about film and using film cameras uh, on on the podcast and I was thinking to myself well it, it, do people want to listen to this is this something that are we alienating our, our listeners um, because you just don't know um i mean we get we get feedback from people people say yeah they, they like the show or they didn't like the show for some reason or you know it's, it's overwhelmingly positive but you know the, the you don't always know if the people have got bad things to say about it whether they're just keeping it to themselves um so i, I thought well i'll put something out there which will be an easy easy thing for people to 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 uh to comment upon and uh, the the options that I gave, uh, regarding, um, film talk is, is too much, not enough and so on. The, the the first one being just carry on. You seem to know what you're doing. Um, and I think Hamish, uh, added to that, um, something like, uh, and continue, uh, blindly bumbling along without any real direction. <laughs> um, so, uh, and he goes, yep, yeah, that's, that's, that's pretty much us. Um so that was one option another one is uh, was analog talk is the only interesting part of the podcast and um, and you were one of the two people that uh, agreed with that one Johnny
1: I was just being a smart ass.
0: Yeah, I thought as so much. Um, <laughs> and then even being an even smarter ass with uh, with the, the, the with just one one person said that uh, talk of old cameras bores me rigid, and that's our uh, fellow up <laughs> Pair Edmund, and uh, friend of the show. So uh, thanks, thanks for filling in that gap. I think I think it was just looking at that one and, and that option and thinking somebody's got a somebody's got a ticket, you know. So uh, uh, which is what he did. Um, so, but the, what, what... always glad to make you rigid, Pair. <laughs> um moving swiftly on on um we've uh so the the just carry on uh option i uh, got nine ninety six 96 uh versus two for analog and uh and then poor old pair on his own um which uh <laughs> quite shocked me to be honest i mean that 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 was a a a big uh, a big difference there because I thought we might annoy a few few more people than than we have done about film, um, so I was uh, I was I was quite heartened by that one. Um, the only the only really. There were a couple of uh, detractors from that. Um, uh, Jim Jimmy D, our guest from uh, two two weeks ago, sort of threatened as if you keep on talking about film all the time, then I'm going to start listening to some other podcast or something or, or something on those lines. So um, we're going to do our best to uh, keep on uh, on track as best as we can, Jimmy. Um, and, but he did he did make the the, the valid point there that the the podcast is um, about lenses, and that's what we should uh, stick to, and that's what we we will stick to it. That's a bit, that's really what the podcast is all about. And it's uh, why we have the group as well. Um, But uh, I mean, there was another post, I can't remember uh, who made the comment, um, but it was all, or there was a few similar comments on this one. And it was a case of, it's all about photography. Um, you're, you're a lens podcast and we're a lens group. Um, the medium which the, the records the photographs is almost irrelevant, um, which actually sort of uh, leads on to sensor sizes because yeah. that, that, that does change yeah. things. But the actual act of taking photographs, whether you're shooting on film or whether you're shooting on, on uh, digital, the act is the same. There are different things to... Um, that you've you've got to take into consideration, you know, such as dynamic range and you know how, how much you can pull shadows back and or or not, and uh, will you burn highlights out or not? And uh, film and perhaps John, you can explain a little bit more about your views on that one. Um, but uh, the actual um, process is is the same. So as long as we keep on talking about lenses, which we're going to do, then uh, it's all good.
2: Yeah. And then we also learn. <coughs> Johnny doesn't listen to our podcast
1: <laughs> Well we I, I don't need to listen to him we're, we're doing it right now I already heard it once <laughs> I can't believe
0: you don't listen to him <laughs> My God. And I have to listen to it Several times <laughs> yeah, yeah. I listen to them. I listen to them. listen to them twice <sighs> You
2: don't know what the outtakes are or anything.
1: The I part. do listen to the outtakes sometimes. That's that's. Oh, good. Just skip to the end and listen to the. Last yeah, skip to the end and listen to the outtakes.
0: outtakes. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just. It, it, you must be very disappointed when you when we have a week that with no outtakes. <laughs> right, right no, it means I keep my lesson. mouth shut and more,
1: which is what I should do. That's a, probably that's a good thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Johnny, one, I did I did mention something there um, about how uh, uh, so but we've had this discussion before and yeah I, w- I was very skeptical about it when when we last actually spoke about this and i'm sort of slowly coming round to your way, way of thinking and that's about the way that uh how film can deal with things like highlights in a way that uh digital can't would you like to yeah. explain a bit more about that
1: yeah well i mean it, it's just a it's just the fundamentals of the re- the recording medium right i mean um digital has a hard time with highlights and it always has and it's just it's the nature of how sensors work is that you know it's there's a bucket of pixel information that that each pixel can record and if it's overfilled then you you lose information essentially right and so you end up you look at almost any like you look at almost any sunset photo where there's a big glowing orange ball of fire in that you know in the middle of that frame and you're going to see that in almost any digital photo where if you look really closely you're going to see that the sensor is overfilled and it's one flat tone so you're looking at let's say only yellow pixels right and that simply doesn't happen with film, even if you vastly, I mean, you can make it happen if you vastly overexpose it, but the, the, the toe, which is the end of the, you know, the end of the histogram or the end of the film uh, where, where the highlights are recorded, they don't, it doesn't respond the same way. Film grain doesn't respond the same way. So you, you see a much smoother transition, especially in highlights. Um, and if you look at, I mean, obviously they're going to, those are going to be scanned in. So it's, it's hard to tell this looking at a monitor, but if you look at those type of photos, digital versus film there, there really is a difference. And even if you, um, start looking really closely, if you go to the movies and you look at, you know, modern films, most of them are projected digitally versus projected off of film, they look different too. So that's just kind of a fundamental of the digital era, um, And it is a different look, and I, where I feel like that carries over, especially in the film versus digital. And I just kind of said it a minute ago: is to me, I can, I can, you know, look at a a string of images and pick all the digitals out because they all have too much dynamic range and too much sharpness, and that's okay for people who want that look. And a lot of people obviously want that look because that, you know, that's kind of the the look that defines digital to me. But I don't. I don't particularly like that look as much as I like the film look, which which is um, less dynamic range, less separation between uh, tones, right? And, and less kind of, I would call like m- micro sharpness, I guess. Um, and to me, that's the real difference between, you know, a film image and a digital image is that rendering – uh, has a lot more character on film because it's not as like crisply perfect, I guess, if that makes sense. And and to me, I find this to be true, even with classic lenses on digital sensors is that they, they still record just a completely different way and it's a different look.
0: Yeah. It's, it, it's interesting what you're saying about the, the about the highlights there. Um, I, I don't know if I mentioned this in the previous podcast, but I, I know that I've already, touched upon it with the uh, yeah. using that Minolta and the 500 mirror lens uh, autofocus mirror lens and uh, I took a few photos uh, a, a couple of weeks ago and uh, I've not shown not shared many of them yet um, which I, I, I will do and uh, be able to see them on our um, sister page uh, we've got a, another group called uh, adventures of in, in film and development uh, which is a closed group and if you wish to join it please do um, although um, there are a few questions on there to to get past, uh, just to sift some of the wheat from the chaff. Really, about the um, it's sort of it's more of a um, an obstacle for bots and uh, and people who don't understand that we, when we're talking about film, we're talking about film stills photography rather than going to the movies. Um, but I'll put the, I'll put them up there. But one of the shots in particular, though, or a couple of the shots in particular, um, were against strong backlighting. Um, including a, a white gull in flight. And I was, I'd actually had to go with, with my, my Sony with this lens, which is, as I've already said before, it's, it's a, it's a tricky thing to use. Uh, in fact, actually using a mirror lens manually is tricky anyway, Um mm-hmm. But uh, doing a bird in flight um, is even even harder, and it wasn't that, it wasn't that easy with the Minolta, But I, you know, I i got some I got some shots off, and uh, and they worked. But but anybody that's actually shot. Gulls in flight against the bright sky. will know that it's actually a, it's a tricky thing to do uh, yeah. because uh, the yeah. the exposure is all over the place, and it's very easy <laughs> to, to to confuse it. You and you know if it was a dark bird, you got to overexpose it. If it's a light bird, you got to be careful not to burn the highlights out. So a light a light bird against a bright sky is actually quite quite a tricky thing to do. And I didn't actually get any decent shots with the Sony, and not just because of the fact that I couldn't focus the lens quite well enough also i i really struggled with the exposure as well and that's using an evf where i can actually see the exposure as i'm as i'm taking the shot um whereas uh, with the with the, the minolta i think i, I set it to overexpose um, i gave it a bit of overexposure compensation and hoped for the best and and it worked and it worked better with that than it, it did with the uh, with with the Sony, which absolutely shocked me. So, um, you yeah, know, well yeah. done, exposed uh, sorry, expired Fuji four hundred film. <laughs> it did a great job. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. 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 Anyway, um, let's move on to our our final thing now, um, and we'll talk about new acquisitions. And uh, I think first we'll go over to Johnny. And if you want to touch, no, I'll go to about, Carl first. No, I'll go, to go, go to Carl. Yeah, many. Yeah, exactly.
1: Oh, Carl's okay. got so many. So.
2: Okay. okay. All right. Okay. So I'll do a couple of qu- ones quickly. And then um, two might not be quite as fast. And we'll discuss one, I think, in particular. So let's see. I bought um, four lenses. <laughs> That's the last time. <laughs> now, the first one is easy. My um, Nikkor 20 4mm ai lens um about a week and a half ago
0: is that one of those bouncing lenses
2: it's a bouncing lens and so right yeah. So i got the camera out of the bag on my way home and went for a hike and took some photos with a different lens and um kept the camera in the car with me left my backpack in the trunk and forgot to zip the camera compartment closed and when i got out of the car at home and Threw the pack up over my shoulder. The lens flew out onto the driveway, and and Nikon lenses, <laughs> at least from my experience, always land and hit right on the edge of the focus ring, and then they bend. <laughs> and so this is this is not the first time they've done this. So I ru- ruined the lens. Wouldn't the focus ring wouldn't turn at all. Went on eBay that night and found another one, and I have it on the camera right now actually, and it's beautiful. It's mint condition, and fortunately. It's not a really expensive lens. You can get these for under $120 and in near mint condition. So that's the first one for a totally, you know, thing that I did. The, um, the second one that I bought just out of curiosity that I love is um, an AI 50 F2, which is interesting because I have an AIS 51.4. 50 1.4. So why in the world would I want this? Well, turns out I like it better than the 1.4. I, I shoot it wide open almost all the time. It has some 3D pop. It has real nice bokeh. It's, it's a perfect lens. It renders beautifully. And it's one of my favorite lenses right now. So I have that. Um, I bought a zoom lens. Well, believe it or not, I bought an MD, a Minolta MD 35 to 70 zoom lens. And I took it out um, last weekend and shot it. And it's nice really nice image quality and I'm not exactly sure wh- why i have it and when i'm going to use it except that it's so easy to get dust on the sensor of the sony camera that i can't imagine there'll be times where i might want to pop it on and take it out somewhere where there's a real high likelihood that dust could get in if i change lenses and be able to get that that 35 to 70 range and, and get nice shots uh, at 35 millimeters of, it was the image quality was really good, and I and I shot some seventy close-up shots, and they were they were, it's a it's a darn good lens. It's the first one in the um, in the series of those. It's not the macro zoom one. It's just the it's just the zoom one. Um, it's an, it's a weird lens because it has a ring on it to change the um, the focal length, and then it has another uh, ring for for focusing, it. and uh, so it's kind of nice. And then the last lens that I bought. Because um, Hamish bought this um, old sonar-based uh, NIKKOR P105 2.5 lens, and I thought it looked so cool. And then he talked about it, and then I thought it would be really cool. And then James bought one, and then I had to jump on the bandwagon and get one too. And um, I used it for the first time this weekend, and I was just wowed by it on on full frame um, on the Sony I got it from really nice pictures one, one in particular i think it has a lot of potential so um, i can envision myself using this lens a lot
0: well that that photo you you took of the guy um with the with the with the sony that had the uh, it'd been de <laughs> uh, yeah that was uh that was that's a great photo um and, yeah, uh, and it was it was shot wide open as well and it, 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 it was interesting because the, the, you 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 must have been exactly the right distance uh, away from him to make that work as a as a wide open shot because it, the, the guy is perfectly in focus he's really sharp and everything else is just just well I have no idea what's behind because it, it's just it's just him and uh, in profile and I think that's just an absolutely great shot and yeah it worked
2: good there was a white building behind him and uh it had a little bit of wood wood trim on it but everything was everything was painted white so you can't hardly see anything behind it
0: well i have no memory i I know that photograph i i know exactly what the guy looks like how he's using his cameras and and i could see straight away he was using a an fd 85 1.2 and uh and it's just a it's just a it's just a a a great shot and it really really shows that lens off really very you really well and it, it's it's interesting as well with it being the, the the earlier version because um the the later ones i think actually go for more money generally speaking apart from the the, the ltm version um, and i've had the ai version i was completely unimpressed with it un, un, uh-huh. unimpressed by it um, uh-huh. although many people love that lens um, i don't know if the ais is any different from the ai I, I i don't know but um having seen some of the shots with the the the, the sonar version I started looking them up and I was there thinking, oh, can I afford one of these? And I also remember that I'm absolutely desperate for a Contax G camera. Um, And (laughs) they're similar kind of money. And I'm thinking, no, I I, I, I need to... uh, as soon as I if if I bought the 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 Nikon, I I just know my dream camera will just come along and I won't be able to have it. So I thought, well, the the, the Nikon's going to happen at some point and I'm just going to keep on looking for the uh, for for the for the contacts. But no, I'm I'm really really impressed with that camera uh, that lens. Sorry, I think it's a, it it's, yeah. it's, it's it's quite excellent. And one the, I mentioned there about it early about yours being an early one. There is an earlier version again um and that's something i know that johnny knows uh, a, a bit more about and that's a little bit more exotic as well isn't it johnny
1: yeah a little bit um we were talking about the the 105 2.5 uh that's yeah 20. i mean the, yeah right right um yeah i mean that 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 lens is really arguably the one that kind of put nikon on the, on the map you know um it's a one of their you know absolute classics um and the the 105 millimeter focal length is something that Nikon really owned. I mean, nobody really made anything in that focal length. Um, so they they were kind of able to own that focal length when they came out with it, uh, you know, originally as a rangefinder lens. Um, and it's one of their original rangefinder lenses that transitioned over when they started building SLRs. So it already had a really good reputation and it really helped to build the reputation of the their SLR line. Um, but yeah, there's a there there are a few versions of that lens and the you know the earlier version of the lens um is uh is a sonar design and even within that there are a few different versions within uh the design of that lens, and depending on who you ask, there's there's about there's four or five different versions of that original 105 2.5. Um and the very earliest ones, uh, they're they're either nine blades are six blades and aperture blades so i guess the very earliest ones are are nine bladed sonars and that seems to be the if you're you know if you're looking for these that's kind of the uh, the hardest version to find um right. don't know that they render any differently especially if you're shooting them close to wide open where the blades don't make any difference and i don't think the lens is optically any different um in those sonar designs like they they redesigned it apparently for you know ai um in about 1971 so that that lens is is a, a different construction altogether i mean it optically it's different it's um you know it it's not the same as the previous sonar version it's more of a you know a different design so um but anyway there are there are versions within that version that can be um really sought after and, and a bit more difficult to find. So if mind. someone
2: is shopping for one of the, you know, if we're hearing us talk and thinking, Oh, I might want to get one of those. And we're talking about a sonar version. I think these are the characteristics and Simon c- can correct me. Um, so, so the lens um, barrel um, that, that's inside of the focusing ring is, is silver. So the front end, end of the lens is, is a kind of a matte colored silver. It's not black. And also the, um, the part of the barrel that has the distance scale on it. Um, no, no, it isn't. It's it's the part that lines up with yeah, the distance. That's also silver. And the and it's a Nikor P mm-hmm. and the serial number, I think you can also look up by the serial number to to determine that you have an early sonar version too. But I think but I think generally the the, the next version becomes all black.
1: Yeah. If it's basically if it's not an AI lens, if it's a straight F mount Nikon lens, it's gonna be it's going to be the sonar version because the the AI version is when they redesigned it. So all, all of the pre AI stuff should be the same optically, which is just the sonar formula. Okay.
0: Yeah. Uh, so there's something that I've got this alarm bell in my head ringing. I'm not, I'm not entirely sure if that's, if that's the case or not. Um, I feel we're going to have to go and uh, speak to Mr. Ken Rockwell on that one, or at least look at his. Yeah, work,
2: because so. because someone <laughs> and, uh, posted a picture of a black pre AI one and and the silver one, and said that here's a, here's how you can tell the difference: the um, pre AI non non version that isn't a sonar is all black. I don't remember where that was, but I but I saw that.
1: That's possible. Uh, we need I, to we need to ask uh, Mike Eckman via. Bob Rotoloni because he is the absolute you expert on all this stuff. So we let's, let's, I'm going to direct that question to, uh, okay. offline. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask, uh, Mike and Michael Ask Bob and Bob will set us all straight. So, and we'll then, you know, the other
2: Bob. thing that I learned that, that, <laughs> I, that surprised me was I, I posted that same photograph on the Sony, alpha 7 alpha 9 shooters page i think that's what it's called and i and um i mentioned that the guy had the sony blacked out on his camera and and uh, i didn't think anyone would respond but a number of people responded and they all said the same thing and i don't i never thought of this um that people black out the sony on their camera because then people don't uh, attribute the quality of the photo to the kind of camera they attribute it to the skill of the photographer oh, I, 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 I mean i've never heard of that before i i've I know people who black out everything on their BMWs, and they're doing it because they're making their car look unique or cool or something. But um, <laughs> <I'm> not, I,
0: <laughs>
2: I, I don't know why people do it. But that's what the responses
0: all said. <laughs> I, I struggle with that. <laughs> I struggled with it.
2: I struggled yeah. with it too.
0: Yeah. Um, I mean, i've I've seen i've seen people black blacking them out because they they just want their kit to be less conspicuous.
2: That's what I thought
0: too. Yeah, that 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 makes sense to me. But but I don't know. That just seems like there's a there's a huge ego going on there that do they, they want to attribute baggery. their shots to their camera. And I mean, well, I, I've I've uh, seen a lot of blacked out <laughs> Fujis people with
1: xe2s and um and small street I, cameras i minor i have my fuji's all blacked out okay I mean, You're right that's so, yeah. just that's just mainly because i don't like to advertise for anybody all the well, fact uh, you, don't,
0: yep. you don't want people to know it's actually a fuji and not a leica
1: <laughs> right yeah well that's why i put the fake red dot on it too. right and so you can buy
2: um i re- last year i realized on some of the leica cameras there were special versions that didn't have a red dot on them yeah That looked totally like something else and they cost more
1: <laughs> yeah yeah uh, absolutely gotta have it that's it gotta have it if you want to be legit yeah. hamish has uh, posted a picture of a, a,
2: a of a leica the Canadian um, Leica that he had had redone. And it looks really cool. Did you see that? Yeah. I think he's selling this as well, isn't he? It? it was beautiful. And yeah. a new viewing glass put into it had, had the, the wrap on it or whatever that, what you call the leatherette that goes around it, redone and sort of a shark skin. Is
1: that when, was that the, the Sweeney repaint? Was it one of yeah. those uh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. think so. He does yeah. nice stuff. He does it nice was,
0: stuff. That was yeah. nice. Now, sh- isn't it? Oh, I thought it, I thought it was um, Alan Starkey. Starkey repaint. That's right. Yeah, I meant. Yeah. 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 I don't know if that's one of, if that's one of his or not. I don't know, but, uh, but yeah, it, that, that looks good. Um, Johnny, do you want to tell us about what, uh, cause I haven't got any new acquisitions this week, but how about, how about yourself?
1: Oh, well, I have not bought a, I have not gotten on the bandwagon with the cool kids and bought the one Oh five. Although I will say I have thought about buying that lens so many times myself. And every time I get close, then I'm like, well, yeah, but why wouldn't I get the rangefinder version and then I don't buy it. So I, I'm still yet to, I, I'm still yet to own any Nikon, uh, lens in F mount. And one day I will get one because mainly because I have, um, a, a Nikon to Olympus pen F adapter and it's, st- I'm still waiting to put a, because the adapter is really rare. So I got the adapter about two years ago, and I still don't have a lens to put on it. Um, but I I do see in my future the um, the 50 millimeter f2 nikkor uh, SLR lens to use specifically on my uh, Pen F on that adapter. So I see one of those in my future. And and oddly enough, the lens that I actually bought this week is the nikkor LTM. 50 millimeter F2. So basically I bought the same lens in the original SLR design. Uh, or I'm sorry, uh LTM design. So that that's I don't have it in hand yet, but that's the one I got. And the reason I got it, I don't don't need it. I have more than enough LTM fifties, which I don't honestly use that much because I prefer thirty-five millimeter, but I on LTM, but I, I'm gonna, I got this one cause I want to use it on my uh, Canon P, which I do actually shoot 50 millimeter on the Canon P. Um, and I got it because this lens is sort of for a couple of reasons. I mean, it, it's, um, it's known for, you know, outstanding rendering. It also focuses a bit closer so you can scale, focus it down to something like 20 inches or so, which yeah. is unusual. Um, and it is a you know a modified sonar design. It, it's one of the the first group of Nikon lenses designed after the war that really built their reputation. So actually, I, I was just looking if you if you look on um, Nikon's own uh, web page about Nikkor lenses, um, they actually feature this lens and they they talk about it as being the first series of. Lenses built for LTM because, you know, Canon, keep in mind, didn't make can uh like a Nikon didn't make cameras at that point in time. Um, they were making lenses for other people's cameras and they were always an optical company, not a camera company. So after the war, in order to survive, they started building uh, lenses for uh, Leica cameras, sc- screw mount. And this is one of the first um, lenses that they that they built. Um and it's, you know, so it's a basically a modified 50 millimeter sonar, F2 sonar. Um, and it's just, you know, it's, it's renowned for its rendering and it's still relatively cheap. If you can, if you can find a good one, it's, it's still a relatively inexpensive lens. So I found one at what I thought was a reasonable price from a U.S. seller that I, that I sort of trust. And um, so I'm waiting for that one to arrive and I'm going to throw that on the Canon P and see what it looks like. Great. Yeah.
0: All right. Well, we'll bring things uh, to a bit of an end. Has anybody got any shout outs this week? Oh, I do. Um, Hold on. I'm looking through my wallet for
1: my business card where I wrote my notes. I talked to this week uh, at the camera shop. I I talked to uh, Paul Strainland, who is from here, local in Chicago. He's from Hyde Park. And he mentioned, um, he's like, are you Johnny? And I said yes, and he said, "Oh, I hear you on the podcast," which just still kind of blows my mind <laughs> <laughs> that people a listen to the podcast and b come into the shop and say, "Hey, I heard you on the podcast." So it's um, so so. Paul came in this week and mentioned that he listens to the podcast and enjoys it. So thank you very much, Paul. Um, cool, to, cool to meet you and chat with
0: you. And uh, Carl, have you have you got uh, any any? No, shoulders? I don't think I have anything this week, Simon okay well uh i've got i've got one um and that's uh, a company it, it's in the uk uh called nick and trick um i think it's ntphotoworks.com to uh if you to look for them on the internet and uh the reason why i just want to uh, give them a shout out is because i bought uh a few pieces of kit uh, towards um, me getting a little bit more serious about doing my own developing um so i bought a few things and the the stuff that I bought arrived the next day uh, which I'm just really really pleased about it, uh, it took, took no time at all to get there and the prices were good and the, the range of stuff that is, is good as well and they, you can you can tell uh, that it's a company that are just like passionate about film so, uh, uh, so that's a, a little shout for Nick and Trick cool. so um, okay then so let's uh, finish off uh, Johnny how can people keep up with you um, if they want to follow you in other
1: ways is this the trick question where I have to remember the email address? Not yet. Yeah. That comes, okay. That comes, right. that comes soon. Okay. All right. Um,
0: <laughs>
1: so he can find me on uh, on Facebook, uh, occasionally uh, commenting and snarking in the fi- photography with classic lenses uh, Facebook page. Um, you can find me uh, on Instagram, which I swear to God, I'm going to post on Instagram again this week, finally, uh, at, at system photography. And you can find me at uh, Central Camera Company in Chicago most days at the camera sales counter. Um,
0: that's a point Instagram um, you're, you're our Instagram my, uh, my yeah stream, don't go there don't, just don't go there <laughs> <laughs> so, so one, 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 one day the, uh, the Instagram uh, will be reactivated yeah. and blow everyone's
1: mind that's, 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 that's <laughs> but we great but we do we do have a we do have a classic lenses Instagram page which actually has a many followers so one day when I make it active again you'll all be very happy I guess but yes you can find us on Instagram So please, please, please do that. And, uh, (laughs) Carl, how can people keep up with you?
2: Okay. Mostly on the photography with classic lenses, Facebook page. Um, I guess then the second place would be on my Flickr page, which is just my name, Carl Havens. And sometimes I put things on Instagram, um, I Still haven't figured out how to do it directly from the computer, so it's. I find it really annoying to take a photograph of something I've posted on Facebook on my phone and then resize it into a square and then put it on Instagram. Also, I don't understand Instagram what the value of it is yet.
1: Are Uh, you 65 uh, or 45? (laughs) Carl, how old are you? I'm not either one, not either either one. one. But anyway, I understand understand. understand. (laughs) Flickr,
2: it's a good place to put high resolution images. Of course,
1: you did. You were 25 when you started using
0: Flickr come on <laughs> okay <laughs> well, well um, and for me I'm, I'm in a few places I'm on Instagram at Simon Forster Photographic I'm on Flickr as Simon Forster you can find my eBay shop you know, if you do a seller search for it's Fozzy um, I've got a website, which is uh, simonforster.co.uk, so simonforsterphotographic.co.uk, uh, which is mainly populated with K&F adapters. Um, I'm trying to do more on Twitter. In fact, actually, just going from what Carl was saying there about getting his head around... Um, instagram I'm, I'm sort of half i'm sort of half of my headers around instagram and about a quarter of my headers around twitter um, I, I can never quite work out when when to use a hash when to use an at if i'm mentioning people or, or why um, but um, but yeah I'm, I'm doing my best on there if anybody's got any tips on there, Uh, how how i should be using these two media then uh, please please let let me know and uh, help me along Um, and if you want to get in touch with us directly we have an email address which uh, johnny has memorized what is it johnny
1: (laughs) hold on i've got it
0: right here classic lenses podcast at gmail.com so please uh, drop us a line on that one and include any instructions on what to do on uh, instagram and twitter for me um and you can find us all on the facebook group uh, photography with classic lenses um actually a quick shout out to our guest next week uh, uh hopefully if all things go well we're going to have anil mystery uh on this on the show um anil is an insanely talented photographer that just goes out and takes amazing photographs without seemingly any effort whatsoever uh, in particular he's uh, he does he just walks up to people and takes a photograph um, street portraits and things like that um, so That's going to be an an interesting chat uh, next week, and he's also very much into uh, his his, his lenses and different kinds of kits, so I'm looking forward to that. So um, so that's going to be good, and uh, I hope you've enjoyed this week's podcast, and we'll be back again next week, and hopefully you can join us. Goodbye.
2: I think, Nikon, I think Nikon F adapters the most fantastic adapter ever made. I can put lenses on and off in the dark. With,
0: with I remember you making that comment before, and I was thinking to myself, is that something to boast about? <laughs> that you can take, could, you can put a lens on in
2: the dark. I, could, I, could, I but I could do it. I don't, I, <laughs> I don't need it. But
1: you don't know how to buckle your bag, so you don't break them. So I, I just realized, Carl, this is your version of my dog ate it. You're, you you've but you've been able to buy more new lenses by breaking the old ones it's fabulous yeah
2: it is As, and, but, hey, I'm but not even you
1: know, on this yet
2: but I'm just I'm just but I'm just replacing the lenses <laughs> but, but I am going to buy at some point I've decided a, um, a night an AI 55 1.2 I want nice. I want to have a 1.2 again the prices are pretty good right now three yeah. 350 369 370 and um I've got some money coming from a publishing company and i want to bite a little bit out of it maybe and do, uh, either buy that or or get us get a sumitar or a sumacron for a little bit more yeah
0: i would i would go for,
2: unless that russian lens is really wonderful
0: yeah i would if if you're in that kind of money i'd, I'd be looking more at the sumacron a collapsible sumacron than uh, than that nikon
2: personally yeah. anyway
0: i'm thinking that too you'll get, you'll get more use out of it and it's going to, the main thing is it's going to give you something that you can't get with anything else Whereas really i don't know we go around in circle with 1.2s and i think i think it's right that you, you should own a 1.2 lens that makes makes sense for you to own a 1.2 lens because we just should uh, but we never use the things when we've got them right i know i know <laughs> but you know and the other thing is though um,
2: i really liked shooting the canon uh, 4SB much better than the Leica.
0: <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. I tell, tell you another. Um, if you if you wanted a one point two or a very fast lens, I I'm I'm still uh, liking that uh, seven artisans fifty one point one. I think I'd take that over the Nikon because it's really it's well you've got your adapters that's so much smaller. Yeah, yeah. The Nikon's yeah. are huge when you put them on their
2: adapter.
1: They're big giant Yes, things. they
0: are. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, that's part of the reason I just I still haven't bought bought one. I mean, I just every time I think I'm going to buy one, I'm like, yeah, but I could get the LTM version. Right. <laughs> I don't no, they look like ridiculous, ridiculous
2: on a Fuji camera. They're just yeah. so big.
1: Yeah. No, they're huge. Yeah. But I mean, I it's a good point though because I do think Sony's are great with with uh SLR lenses in particular. And I think Fuji's tend to be a little bit better with rangefinder lenses, which is just the going back to the mount and the sensor and everything. I mean, it ma- it makes sense, you know?
0: Well, for, for me, I think that's bollocks. <laughs> um, no, if, but if, I mean, if it's, if it's uh, if, fair enough if it's a wide angle. But but other than that, no. Uh, because don't forget, you, you keep on saying about all oh, Fuji lenses are designed to sit close to the center. Well, actually it's got a longer flange distance no, than Sony. Not.
1: No, it doesn't. Yes, it does. No, Fuji's shorter. No, it hasn't. Yeah, it is. No, it's not. All
0: right, go look it up. <laughs> <laughs>
1: okay. Fuji's, well, Sony's nineteen something. Fuji's seventeen.
0: Okay. Well, anyway. <laughs> oh, sorry. I've I've got I've just got to re, re- come back and and apologise to Johnny there. Oh no! I wanted you to actually be right. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh. It's, it's point it's point three of a millimeter shorter on on the uh, Fuji. <laughs> oh. <well. laughs>
1: Every millimeter counts. That's what she said.